Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Sacra to McDavid on the right half boards. Dishes Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score! Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal! 6-2, Oilers in the Rexall finale! Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback! Mike Riley to the end zone! Touchdown, Eskimo! Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. A sudden injury at Eskimos training camp today. The team now looking to replace one of its best players from last year. Defensive back John Ojo will not play this season. A ruptured Achilles tendon. A ruptured right Achilles tendon. And the man who had five picks last year, not going to be able to go. He'll take the snap, takes the drop, bounces around a bit in the pocket. Now he's got some trouble. Willie Jefferson after him. And it's intercepted. It is picked off on the far side. And it's going to be a touchdown for the Eskimos. All the way to the end zone for the rookie John Ojo. Touchdown, Eskimo! That was early last year. Ojo with four interceptions in the first seven games of the year. We will talk about that impact as we move along tonight. Of course, some hockey chat as well. Changes are coming for the neck for the Edmonton Oilers. Man, the show two weeks from tonight, we could be talking about a pretty different team after the draft in Buffalo. The Penguins win it all. What does that mean for the league? Uh, I'm going to get to a bit of an apology I have to make in the first half hour as well. You will also hear a bizarre phone call to the points after show that Dave Campbell hosts. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues. St. Albert Kid, great rookie season with the Blues. He's coming up at 6.30 tonight. And Pat Riley, father of Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley, will join us between 7.30 and 8. How are you doing this evening? Glad to be back. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks to Brendan Alwick for filling in for me on uh, Friday night. Had a great time on Shushwap Lake at a wedding over the weekend, I had only driven through that part of the world that never stayed there before. Very uh, beautiful area, so it was good to be there. Philadelphia up one nothing on Toronto. Bottom of the fourth inning at Rogers Center. The NBA season could end tonight. The Warriors on home court against Cleveland up 3-1 in the series. Draymond Green not going to play for the Warriors. Four flagrant fouls built up over the playoffs, so he gets a one-game suspension. So the uh, Eskimos secondary looking pretty banged up right now. The Ojo injury leading the way. Here's head coach Jason Moss. And that's uh, what we're dealing with. Everyone in the league, like you said, has deal- dealt with it as well. So, you know, we got to have guys step up. That's the bottom line. That's why you have guys in training camp fighting for jobs. Um, it's, it, I've said it before, it's a war of attrition to get through camp. Um, it's hard to do, but the guys that are out here have got to step up. All right, so this is a big loss for the Eskimos. I mean, John Ojo, a guy that other teams basically just almost stopped throwing in his direction as the season went on because he was such a good player, wound up on the CFL All-Star team. He is out second straight training camp. 
the Eskimos lose a key player to a ruptured Achilles tendon. It was running back John White last year. The running back's uh, position last season was never really settled. No one really grabbed it and held on to it. There, there were a couple injuries that sprung up along the way. Uh, there were guys who, quite frankly, didn't play well enough when they got the chance. By the end of the year in the Grey Cup, it was Akeem Shavers running the ball, but quarterback Mike Riley was the Eskimos' leading rusher and maybe their most dangerous rusher uh, in the Grey Cup. So, But the Eskimos did open up the season with a win in Calgary on Saturday. You heard it right here on 630 Chet. From the 15-yard line, Franklin drops back, looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone, up in the air. Touchdown! Touchdown, Eskimos! Anthony Barrett with the reception in the end zone, and the Eskimos have the first touchdown of the preseason. Straight ahead, and the Eskimo players are signaling touchdown. Now the referee does as well. Ball came out, but the referees are signaling that Lynch broke the plane, and that will end the play. It's the ball inside the five. Lynch waiting for it now. Second and goal. He's going to go to the end zone, up in the air, and it's a touchdown, Eskimos. Bryant Mitchell with the reception, and Jordan Lynch is throwing a touchdown pass, and the Eskimos are starting to make this look easy. They would go on to win 23-13. Those were the three touchdowns in the game. Sean White, who didn't have a great night place kicking, added a field goal as well. He did miss a convert. That's how they got to 23. So the Eskimos win at 23-13. Next preseason game for the Eskimos right here on 630 Ched Saturday. Saskatchewan is at Commonwealth 12-30 in the afternoon for the pregame show. The game will start at 2. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening at 611 Inside Sports on Chet. Were you working Saturday night, buddy? Did you work the football game? I was, yeah. All right, I want to. I, I just want to get to this before we uh, move on to some Penguins and hockey talk here. Um Dave Campbell, producer of this show, does the points after show. That is the post-game show, the call-in show after Eskimos games. So Dave's in Calgary, breaking down the game, going over some stuff, and pay- taking people's calls, including this one. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Millsy's up next. Hey, Millsy. Millsy. Oh, hey, how's it going, man? Good, you? I'm really good. I just wanted to comment on the running game tonight. Uh... Yeah. I really thought we did a really great job running the ball, but I think McDavid is a really multi-dimensional athlete, and I think he'd be a great suit for the Eskimos this year. What are your comments on that? You mean McKnight? No, 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 Connor McDavid. I mean, I think he's a really okay. multi-dimensional athlete. Thanks for the call there, Joker. Okay, never mind. Hey, Millsy. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Dave just thought he met McKnight. Said McDavid by accident. Yeah. Because we talk about McDavid a lot. So Millsy, either uh, having some fun or just completely clueless. I choose to believe that he actually thought that Connor McDavid would be a two sport athlete. Could be a two sport athlete. Well, that has happened before. Yeah. Yeah. Bo but- Jackson leading the way. Deion Sanders. Uh, Brian Jordan. Yeah. Played baseball and football. Mm-hmm. Danny Ainge was a Toronto Blue Jay. Then had a really good uh, NBA career, mostly with the Phoenix Suns. For all those uh, old-timers out there, Lionel Conacher. Why not? <laughs> Connor McDavid. Millsy's all in. Oh, my goodness. I think Let's Oiler- hope that's the worst call of the year for Dave. I, I think I- Oilers management might have a small issue with uh, McDavid taking uh, running back reps during a CFL preseason game. 
I think almost everybody would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the Eskimos would because, yeah. quite frankly, Connor McDavid should stick to hockey. Mm-hmm. Anyway, He's very good at hockey. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully the calls on points after are that, – hopefully that's the worst call of the year for Dave. Mm-hmm. Millsy, you've done you, – you, you did great right off the start. Good for you. Uh, you can text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Uh, just quickly here, the Eskimos will have to make cuts by 10 o'clock tomorrow night to get down to 65 men. Once again, head coach Jason Moss. I have a whole lot of time left, so I mean, we have a pretty good idea of where we are as a team and you know what has to happen. We under, all understand it's a business, um, but we still have some time here this afternoon and uh, to make some decisions, hard decisions. Yeah, are the injuries, do they factor into the decisions too? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you if you can't stay healthy, it's hard to make a club. That's the bottom line. I mean, we have a, we have a small roster to begin with and during the season. Um, if you, we can't, you know, expect you to go every week, then it's hard to make the club and count on you. So, you know, that's part of the, the process is who can fight through injuries, who can ma- be there every single day for you. When you're not, you leave yourself up for that possibility that you're going home. And that's just a, that's the reality of life and it's reality of football. All right. So head coach Jason Moss, we will see what happens with the roster. More on the green and gold 705 tonight. Dave Campbell will uh, join us and he'll break down some of the possibilities to fill in for the injured John Ojo. Of course, last night, this happened. It's the hardest trophy in all of sports to win. Congratulations to Mario Lemieux, Ron Burkle, Jimmy Rutherford, David Morehouse, and Mike Sullivan. The team played incredibly since you took over. It's the captain's honor to hoist the Stanley Cup. Sidney Crosby, come on back. And so, Sidney Crosby will be approaching that Stanley Cup as he moves in. Once again, another handshake with Gary Bettman. And the puck will be in the hands of the captain, Sidney Crosby. First for a picture, then he has it. All right, Mike Lang with the call from the Penguins Hockey Network. Of course, we were bringing you there, broadcast on 6.30, Chet, throughout the Stanley Cup final. The Penguins win it. First of all, at the beginning of that, Kellen, I don't know if you if you noticed that, is there anything Gary Bettman could do that would not involve him getting booed? Well, I was trying now, to... F- now, I, was... I do realize that was the visiting team getting yeah. presented the Stanley Cup on San Jose's ice, but I, I think... I mean, it has now just become a thing to boo Gary Bettman. I was trying to think why San Jose would be booing him like that. That because that he's the commissioner of the NHL, and so by proxy, because twenty nine other markets boo him. Yes, they boo him. Now it's the cool thing to do. Okay. To boo. I mean, Gary Bettman could go to the microphone and say, "I would like to announce the National Hockey League is providing free puppies." To all young hockey fans, boo! Yeah. You just boo Bettman. It's a I thing. I guess so. Yeah, but it just it makes zero sense in San Jose because okay, in a Canadian market, yeah, I can understand. In say of of market, you know, elsewhere, yeah, but San Jose, really? Well, really? Why would they not boo him? Everybody boos Gary Bettman. Because I don't think, like, San Jose's one of them. It seems like that team, the Sharks. San Jose's a well-established hockey market. They've been been around for 25 years. years. They're as legitimate as anybody else. That's right. But I'm just saying is that 
you know, what's the history between the Sharks and NHL head office? Is there anything that underlying there or anything? Like I said, in the lockout, you just right? boo Gary Bettman. I guess, I guess they're just booing because there's been, what, free lockouts under his belt, right? Like I said, enough. it's just so. a thing. You boo Gary Bettman. Yeah. Not right. reading too much into it. Whatever. It's 618. Uh, I got to get to... Uh, I made a little bit of a boo-boo last week. I'll uh, I'll get to that. We'll talk some Oilers as well. And Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues all ahead. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. 1-0 Phillies leading the Blue Jays. Bottom of the fifth Euro 2016 today. Spain over the Czech Republic 1-0. Ireland and Sweden a 1-1 draw. Italy beats Belgium 2-0. A little more footy talk. Colin Miller from FC Edmonton will join us later on tonight to talk Euro 2016 as well about a pretty successful spring season for FC Edmonton. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports. Of course, you can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Troy says, uh, Reed, didn't Michael Jordan also play two pro sports, basketball and baseball, while not in the majors in baseball? which he never was. He never played a major league game. Uh, I seem to remember him buying, uh, playing for a farm club and buying them a bus so they could travel in style. That is from Troy. Uh, the bus story, yes. He uh, never made the majors, and he was not playing two sports at the same time. No. He had retired from the National Basketball Association. But yep. yes, yes, Michael Jordan... I suppose technically a two-sport athlete, though usually when I say that, I'm I'm referring to guys doing two uh, sports two, uh, two sports at the same time. Yeah, there's a, there's a great Ferdy for Ferdy documentary on that available on Netflix and everywhere. Go check it out. I forget the title of it, but it's it's a really good documentary on it. Southside Rob says, uh, "Hey Reed, which two players have won the Stanley Cup, Olympic gold, the World Championship, the Conn Smythe Trophy, and the Hart Trophy? Crosby and Joe Sakic, who." Southside Rob says is one of his favorite players of all time. Another texter says it is a solid debate who is hated more, Gary Bettman or Roger Goodell. Well, in Canada, it'd be Gary Bettman, I would assume. Uh, Northside Mike, do you guys think the Penguins will move Malkin this offseason? Well, personally, I don't. All right. I want to mention something here. Uh, first, uh, first of all, this is a great story worth mentioning. Anyway, Brooke Henderson, 18-year-old Canadian, doesn't turn 19 until September, wins a major, the Women's PGA Championship. First uh, major by a Canadian since Sandra Post won in 1968. Brooke Henderson is now number two in the world. And I got I to gotta tell this story. Last week, Kellen Kennedy... Mm-hmm. We were, uh, you weren't here. I think Matthew was working. Somebody asked about the Olympic golf format, where we started looking it up right. and how you get in. Yeah. And basically, it's everybody in the top 15 makes makes it, and then it's two per country if you don't already have two. Yeah. And uh, Matthew and I were just quickly looking at the rankings, and I said there are no Canadians in the top 100. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Ryan Jesperson was hosting an event on a Friday, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, was approached by a uh, female Ched listener who was quite unhappy with me. 
that I said that mm-hmm. because clearly there is a Canadian in the top 100. Yeah. Brooke Henderson, I think she was number four or five going into this tournament. Now she's number two. Yes. So, yes, of course, I was only looking at the men's rankings. My apologies. For clarification, yes. Brooke Henderson, yeah. uh, huge win over the weekend, beat Lydia Ko in a playoff. Incredible approach to about three feet on uh, on the playoff hole to get it done. So, there you go. Brooke Henderson. The bigger question will be, will be in the Olympics. The bigger question will be will they be able to play the tournament at the Olympics in Rio because there's a lot of talk, a lot of rumors saying that that might not happen because of all the pollution and the viruses and all sorts For of For the golf tournament? Well, the games in general, front to back. I think the games are going to happen. Okay. We had Scott Russell on last week. The game, I mean there's always doom and gloom beforehand. And I think mm. in, unless they decide to play the golf underwater under the you know the sewage filled water, I think they'll be okay with the golf. Well, maybe they've been Stranger watering. Maybe they've been watering the golf course with with raw sewage, and it's going to die. I think it'll be fine. Hmm. Uh, the Big L says, Reed, did Crosby win the Memorial Cup as well? He did not. Uh, he was in the Memorial Cup in his draft year. Uh, I can't remember who won it that year, but it was not Ramuski. Joe says, Hi, Reed, is Yakupov gone? <laughs> he, Neil Yakupov is not gone. Uh, he is still a member of the Edmonton Oilers. I would expect that, well, maybe two weeks from today, after the draft weekend, maybe he won't be. I do believe Neil Yakupov will be traded. Oh, by the way, reports today that Nikita Nikitin close to signing in, in the KHL. Though, obviously, he's an unrestricted free agent. He wasn't coming back to the Edmonton Oilers. Talk a little bit more about the Penguins getting it done, what this means for Edmonton, what might happen over the next couple of weeks. And we will also get to uh, one of the best stories in the NHL from this past season, I think, anyway. Colton Pareko, the St. Louis kid who really burst onto the scene, played a full season with the St. Louis Blues, had a really good point total, got over 30 points. Big guy, really established himself. Colton Pareko coming up in the next half hour. First, we'll keep you updated on the Blue Jays game. Oh, and more news from the St. Louis Blues. Mike Yo has been named associate coach of the Blues. He will replace Ken Hitchcock for the 17-18 season. Hitchcock has already announced this is going to be his final year in the NHL. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. We are back after the news. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in this evening. want to thank everybody. Ready to go on Friday at the Links in Spruce Grove, the Gary Dreger Golf Tournament sold out in support of 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, such a great institution here at 630 Chet and the city of Edmonton helping to bring Christmas to thousands of kids every year. I'll be out there golfing, do inside sports in the evening. That's going to be a great day. Reed Wilkins with you. Kellen Kennedy working on the other side of the window at 635. This portion of Inside Sports is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. The NBA game starts in about half an hour. Cleveland hoping to uh, finish off Golden State. Warriors guard Sean Livingston says the team a little upset because they were hoping Draymond Green was going to be able to play, but he's been suspended. Yeah, we're all disappointed, you know, for the fact that he's not out there, you know. Um, I mean, if he got the flagrant foul and it wasn't wasn't a suspension, I don't think we'd be as disappointed, you know, but we're all disappointed because we want him to be out there. All right, we'll keep you updated on that game. So 
the Penguins winning the Stanley Cup last night, fourth overall in the regular season, clearly came to life after Mike Sullivan took over as head coach. We touched on their depth guys making a huge difference and some guys making not a lot of money. I mean, Brian Rust, $640,000 a year. Tom Kunakel, $625,000. Connor Sheary, $575,000. So guys who were pretty good contributors making not a lot of money. I mean, Crosby makes $8.7 million. Kessel makes six point eight, million. Malkin makes nine point five, Latang makes seven point two five. Marc-Andre Fleury makes 5.75. He was the backup goalie to Matt Murray, who only made 600, who was going to make $620,000 next season. So clearly uh, a, a team that changed quite a few guys ever since Jim Rutherford took over as GM. And I know now the debate out there is like, well, you know, the Penguins won with speed. They were pretty fast. Does that mean you're, we're, we're going away from size a, a little bit? I'm going to tell you something, folks. This is, I, I, I mean, it's been interesting for me because I'm now, I'm, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man. I'm 42. I'm pretty much right in the middle. Half of you are probably older than me. Half of you are probably younger than me. And probably the ones who are older than me are going to understand what I'm saying here. There are some truths to the world of sports that I don't think are ever going to change. And that is the big guys, the size guys, are always going to get a chance. And size and power and physical intimidation when necessary, all those stuff, all those things that have to do with a guy being big are always going to have value. I I don't think there's ever a point where the national, a winning team in the National Hockey League is going to be a bunch of 5'9 guys who are really fast. Power, strength, Hitting, forechecking, grinding, body position, shielding the puck, taking up room in front of the other team's net, clearing the front of your own net, all those types of things will always be part of the game. The the Penguins, okay, maybe a smaller team, but they still worked pretty hard. And Sidney Crosby, while not the biggest guy in the world, plays bigger than he is because of his power, because of the way he can skate, because of the way he can shield the puck, and because, quite frankly, he can play a little nasty sometimes, too. So the the thing is, I, I don't think this now means, well, maybe the Oilers don't have to bulk up or don't need this guy. Or don't need this. Trust me. There's always going to be value to that. I, I mean, to me, what this shines an even bigger spotlight on is just how improperly built the Oilers are and have been for quite a while. And it, it sheds more light on the dearth of prospects in the Oilers farm team. How many guys can can come up and contribute like a Sheary did, right? Like a, guys like that. I, I mean, who for this past season, past couple of years, came up from the Oilers farm team and really fit in and became a regular, valuable NHL guy, part regular part of the Oilers lineup? And the one guy who I would say is Brandon Davidson, who wasn't expected to be on the team, stuck around, and then when he, when he got a chance to play more once Oscar Clefbaum went down, he actually made a difference and contributed and played a good all-around game. Not a star player, so not a, not a star player, 
but a good, solid contributing player. I mean, if you look at what the Oilers are doing, Mark Fain's going to make $3.6 million to be in the Oilers' bottom pair. Andrew Ferentz was paid $3.25 million to not play very much. What the Oilers have to do is, is pay guys what they're worth and not pay guys and then hope they can play up to their salary. Viking Rod says, Reed, the Penguins would not have made it out of the West if they played on this side. The San Jose Sharks were worn out. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll never know. I mean, you got to take the thing is you got to take advantage of your of your matchups. I'm, I'm not going to belittle the the Penguins winning because they were in the East. All you can do is play the teams that you're presented with in the draw based on the records. But the draw sometimes does go a long way. Montreal Canadiens, last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup, did not have to play the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are one of the greatest regular season teams of my lifetime. What did they go 17-0-1 in their last 18 games? I think. <laughs> they did not have to play them. The New York Islanders knocked them out in the second round. So, you got to remember, still, Viking Rod, the Penguins finished fourth overall. Uh, they're not a weak team. I mean, they, they won with a, an unheralded goaltender who played well. Did, did some guys play above their heads? Sure. Did some guys probably play better than maybe they're ever going to play again in their careers? Sure. But you got to put it together. Why do we have playoffs in North America? Why do we celebrate these guys? Because they rise to the occasion. David Tyree was a marginal NFL receiver who has not played a game since he made the helmet catch in the Super Bowl. He's, but he's more celebrated than guys who are a lot better players. That's, that's how we structure things in our leagues. But did, sure, did the Penguins benefit from being, being, being in the East? Okay, maybe. Did they benefit not having to play a healthy Stamkos for seven games? Okay, maybe. But they couldn't control that. They beat the teams in front of them. But I just don't think this means a, a seismic shift in terms of what the Oilers need or it changes the weaknesses that, to me, are, are apparent on this roster. you got to slot the players where they belong. Phil Kessel looked like he was slotted pretty well on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if you've been listening to the show, you know I throw Eberle's name around as, as a guy that I'd be willing to part with. Different story if there are right wingers with him on the depth chart that maybe bring different things to the rink, but there isn't a lot on that side. 6:43, you can text 6:30, This will be fun. He had a great rookie season. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues. Up next, your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. On the right side to Petrangelo. Now to Pareko, left side, Latera. Pareko straight away. He's a wrist shot. He scores! Pareko, a power play goal for his first goal in the National Hockey League. Brings a puck over the line. Steen to Pareko. Pareko, wrist shot. He scores! He's got two. That one off the elbow, I think, of Hiller and then went underneath the arm. Pareko has made it a 4-2 game. The first two goals of Colton Pareko's NHL career back in October against Calgary. He would go on to score nine this season. The kid from St. Albert, really strong rookie season with the St. Louis Blues, and he joins Inside Sports now. Colton, welcome to the show. How are you doing? 
Good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing very well. Great to talk to you. And I got to say, congratulations on a, on a, I guess I got to call it a breakout year in the National Hockey League. How do you look at it? Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, uh, it was quite the season. I mean, pretty much a whirlwind the whole way through. Lots of new new experiences and just kind of going into training camp. I wasn't sure where, where things were going to end up, what to expect. So just went in there and gave myself the best opportunity and obviously made the team and uh, just had a lot of opportunities that kind of came my way and it was uh, quite the experiences that I had for sure. What were you thinking during training camp? I mean, guys are being sent down, cuts are being made, there's injuries that affect the depth chart. What was it like kind of day after day going through it and realize you're still one of the guys sticking around? Yeah, I think uh, as, it, as it kept going on, you just want to keep trying to make, make the next cut and just keep getting better almost as training camp goes on. And uh, When you give yourself, uh, or I guess I try to give myself the best opportunity to, just keep making each cut, give, uh, keep moving forward, and uh, just kind of go day by day almost. Just try not to look too far ahead too too uh, soon and uh, just just go from there. What do you think you did ability-wise or maybe attitude-wise or work ethic-wise that allowed you to make the team? How, how did you stand out to the Blues? Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I come with a big frame. First off, I, I'm kind of noticeable out on the ice I'll just being six six alone I think is is a big key and then I think just kind of showing up every day and trying to trying to do my best and putting in all the effort I think is uh, the biggest key obviously they're looking for guys that are gonna kind of do do their best and guys that are gonna help out the team so uh, that's what I tried to do try to uh, push through training camp and then throughout the preseason games obviously have have a good preseason and try to do my best so as that kind of kept going it was it was exciting. It was a lot. A lot of the different things were coming at me, so I just tried to stay, stay day by day, and just go from there. How do you compare the 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 grind of the schedule? The regular season plus playoffs, you played ninety nine games. Plus, you would have played a few in the preseason. Um, I mean, in college, you were generally playing between thirty and forty a season. One year in the AJ, I think you played about seventy some if you included the playoffs. How did that affect you, and uh, was that was that difficult to deal with, or do you feel you you got through it pretty well? I mean, it's a pretty pretty different schedule, almost, especially after my last three years of college. Uh, like you said, maybe thirty five games is almost almost the max. So uh, you kind of get three seasons in one, almost. So uh, it's a lot different. Obviously, every second night there's a game day, and you got to get prepared for each of those. And obviously, you're playing different teams, very good players, and. Um, that was probably one of the biggest challenges is coming, showing up every single night and trying to trying to help the team be successful. And in college, you kind of get the full week to pre-scout the team that you're going to play on Friday, Saturday. So at least you get a little bit of video. You get to watch on each team. You kind of figure out what their tendencies are and things like that. So um, you kind of have a little bit of time to figure out what's going on. And uh, when you when you kind of go up, uh, and this year we you play almost every second day, if not every third day, and um, it's it's not as much, I guess, pre-scouting as as you would think, uh, co- considering what we had in college. Tell me a little bit about in, in playing so many games in the Central Division. I mean, uh, that, that was the best division in the league, I think. One night you might be facing Sagan, then you might be facing Kane. Uh, then you might be facing Philip Forsberg. Then you, you might be facing you know a bigger team like Winnipeg with some of the guys that can get after you. What 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 was it like going through that Central Division this season? 
it was a battle. I mean, there were some very good teams, very good players, and uh, I think it was it was good though. We had a very good team as well, uh, and obviously we we uh, made some good pushes. We we had a great team. We worked well, and um, when you have a team like ours, it's always fun to be a part of it. And uh, obviously, when you're playing those Central Division games, everything gets ramped up a little bit and a little bit more intensity. And uh, I guess that's just the beauty of of the division. It's very tight and it's uh, very competitive. So. Um, it kind of forces you to show up for uh, however many those Central Division games you have every year, and um, that's that's what good teams are supposed to do. And it's 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 all kind of a fun process, I think, of being being part of a tough division. Was there anybody particular that you really hated playing against? <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. Not overly. I, uh, I I not really. I think for my first year, I kind of just went in and played every team the same and just tried to uh, do whatever I could to help help the team. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Some news for you guys today. Uh, Mike Yo is going to take over the team as head coach for next season. He'll be an associate coach for you this year. Ken Hitchcock will remain your head coach for one more year. Obviously a, a, an Edmonton connection there with both you and Ken from, from the capital region here. But uh, just tell us what it was like uh, you know, playing for Hitch, a, a veteran coach with a pretty good reputation. For sure. Obviously, like you mentioned, he's a very veteran coach. He's he knows the game. He's been around for a long time, and um, he's a guy that, for a rookie myself, it was it was nice to kind of go in and get the knowledge that he has and understand uh, his viewpoint of the game and what it takes to uh, be successful in the NHL. And uh, having a coach, he's obviously won the Stanley Cup and been around for a numerous amount of games. So, um, from a personal standpoint, it was it was great to have him, and um, I'm excited for one more year. And obviously, for other guys too. Um, He's a guy that, that knows what he's knows what he's talking about, and um, he's a coach that we can all kind of buy into his systems, and um, it all comes together if we know that we're all buying in. I want to look back a little bit, Colton, through some other uh, big moments and times in your your career. I, I mean, you you were drafted in in uh, in 2012, but you were eligible to be drafted in 2011. So so teams decided to pass on you that year. Was was that tough for you? To, I mean, did that uh, did that uh, affect your your approach to anything? Were you even expecting to get drafted that season? What was that like? Uh, I don't think I was expecting to get drafted. To be honest, I'm not sure. Actually, it was after my first year uh, playing junior. So I, I just came out of midget double A, and I went in my first year of junior, and I was more than more than excited to be to be a part of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons at that time, and. Um, that year alone seemed like a whirlwind for me just because you play midget double A and then you come on and just make, make Fort McMurray out of, out of tryouts. So, um, just doing that itself was pretty exciting for me. And I was talking to a few teams that year, but, um, obviously being a rookie and kind of coming out of, out of midget double A, I didn't really put it on my radar at all. I just, just was kind of looking forward to next year in Fort McMurray and, uh, hoping, hoping to have another good year. You you played two years for the Oil Barons. Gord Thibodeau was your coach, right? Yes, I did, and that is correct. Okay, so you had Gord, who uh, took the Lloydminster Bobcats into the uh, RBC Cup final a few weeks ago. Um, you know, you were in Fort McMurray for a couple of seasons. What was it like for you going through the playoffs and and following the the the, the fire story and everything was going on in your former city? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty tough. Uh, 
obviously playing that, I, I, I billeted with two different families, and I uh, had the opportunity to meet a lot of great people, great friends, and you, it's kind of tough to see see that happen in such a great community. It's a very tight-knit community, and uh, I think the main thing was is you kind of talk to everyone that you know and try to make sure you're they're safe and just kind of offer anything that you can for them. But obviously, in a time like that, it's tough. They they have a lot going on, but um, I just think the best part is is how close the community came and how how well everyone worked together. Um, everyone was offering each other different things, as whether it be house in Edmonton or things like that, and just trying to make sure that everyone uh, was coming together as best as possible. I saw some people providing gas on the side of the highway for people that might be running out because people got evacuated pretty quick. I think they didn't really have time to uh, stop and get gas, and so just little things like that. I mean, it's pretty cool to see. Obviously, it's such a tragedy, and you don't really want to see things like that happen, and uh, it's it's obviously a very difficult time, but uh, it's great to see that they were able to come together and kind of push together as a as a town and do whatever they could to uh, make the best of, of what they had. All right, Colton, just a couple more for you. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues joining us on 630 Shed. Had a great rookie season, nine goals, 33 points in 79 games. Um, you're from you're from St. Albert, so just a great local story. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance here. Anybody from your uh, minor hockey career you want to give a shout-out shout to or anybody that really uh, inspired you along the way? I don't know. I mean, obviously, just my family and friends and the players that I got to play with, the coaches that coached me. Um, I guess those would be the biggest. Um, I mean, there's too many shout-outs, I guess, that I should even – I don't know. I don't want to mention a couple and obviously miss a few. So, um, obviously, my coaches, my teammates, my family, and I think the biggest ones, obviously, they, they all know. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to start naming because then that's where it comes and you miss a few guys. So, uh, yeah, just that those guys, obviously, is the biggest thing. It's, it's been exciting and – uh, kind of playing through St. Albert was great. Lots of great people, great community. and uh, Yeah. All right, and, and last one for you. Really impressive rookie season. I mentioned your point total. You really made a name for yourself. If I'm talking to you one year from today, what do you hope you can tell me you improved on? Uh, I would like to say everything, but um, I, I hope I just come back and have another good season and obviously just my my goal is just to have a have a season that where I can come back and obviously be be better. I want to get better every season and just help produce as much as I can for the team. And um, we have such a great team in St. Louis, great group of guys, and it's uh, it's great to be a part of that organization uh, right now. And um, I uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So next year I'm just looking to kind of go in and just continue to get better every day and obviously push and uh, hopefully we can. We can keep doing well and uh, have another good run at it. Right on. Well, Colton, we really appreciate your time. Uh, I know you probably got uh, a lot going on here in the summer, so thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. Uh, great season and all the best next year with the Blues. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Colton Pareko from St. Albert, now with the St. Louis Blues. Great story this past season. Really glad to have him on the show. 6.58 will break for the news. Father's Day. Coming up on Sunday in the next hour, Mike Riley's dad, Pat. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.